Colossians 1, 15 to 17 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in heaven, in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made all things we can see and all things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. That is our Lord. That's the one we worship. That's the one we call Lord. That's the one we pray to. That's the one... We are supposed to live our lives for. Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give us deeper and deeper and deeper revelation of yourself in our hearts. I pray for the awakening, Lord, of our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears that we might be able to perceive you better, that we might know you, that our hearts and our lives would be turned toward you more and more. 
I pray this morning that you would reveal your word in our hearts, Lord. I submit myself to you. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. For your glory. For your truth. For life. Thank you, Lord. I want to, something that came up repeatedly in my heart this week. Uh, was this thought that the kingdom of God only comes through His own authority. Uh, who here wants, wants to be used of God? Sapar. Okay, we should all like, ah, pick me, pick me. <laughs> eh? We should all really say, here I am, Lord, send me. I think there's, there, there, there should be something in each one of us that says, I want to let your kingdom come. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we come to the part and we say, let your kingdom come, our next thought should be, how through me? Not for me. See, we pray that prayer and then it's for me. Let your kingdom come for me. But we should pray, let your kingdom come, how through me? And I believe that should be a cry in all our hearts. There should be not one of us. Maak die saak of jy oud of jonk of niet of oud of gebruik of ongebruik is nie. Doesn't matter if you're hurt or not hurt. It doesn't matter if you haven't been hurt before. We should all ask that question. Lord, how do you want to use me in your kingdom? And I, I just want to talk about one of the keys for that. One of the keys for the Lord to be able to use us in His kingdom is the whole thing or concept around authority. We've been dealing a lot uh, lately with the whole concept of submission. And uh, it is very clear that no one who wants to be in authority, but does not want to submit, he cannot be under authority or in authority. Every single person is under authority, and we'll see that. But, but what I want to talk about is the whole thing that, that God has given the church authority, but there's the danger that we make it our authority instead of His authority. And then things go wrong. Things go skew and we'll look at that. So, um, I want to start off with this example from, from uh, the Bible, of course. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay, this is not a motivational teaching I heard somewhere. 
this is the Bible that tells us about the authority of God. And, and uh, so the first guy that really stood up in authority in the Bible, it was Moses. So God called him one day at the burning bush. God said, I want to send you, Moses. I want to send you to go and free my people out of the slavery in Egypt. And when I read that again, I just realized once more that the whole story of the Exodus, and I'm, I'm reading the Bible again this year from the beginning and from the middle sort of together. So I read chapters in the New, Old Testament and chapters in the New Testament. So I read the Bible sort of in parallel through. And the whole story of Exodus is a shadow of the spiritual reality of what we are experiencing. Taking out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. Christ has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness, which is Egypt, and placed us into a new kingdom of His marvelous Son, which is the promised land. And so you can sort of parallel this whole journey with what the... And, and, I, and you know what? You know how much I see of Israel in the church today? Oh my. This sad and scary murmuring and talking against each other and oh my goodness anyways i'm not going to preach about that today so god gave moses a staff actually moses had a staff he had his own staff which he walked with but then god sort of did something with it he said throw it on the ground and it became a snake and he said pick it up again and from that moment on, Moses called the staff the staff of the Lord. Exodus 4 verse 20. And this staff symbolizes the authority that God gave Moses. So whenever Moses had to do something, he actually then take, took the staff. When he parted the Red Sea, he showed the staff, he parted the Red Sea. And we'll read about the, the other thing that he did just now. So we must understand just that the staff represents the authority that was given to Moses. To the point where, where God told Moses that when you speak to the Israelites, you will be like their God. In other words, you are directly representing me. When you speak, but when you do the things I tell you to do. Not you will be God. So there's this one incident where they've been in the desert now for a month, and they are very, very thirsty. They come to the place where the, like, there's no water, and once again the people start accusing Moses and saying, you're a bad leader. Why did you take us out of this beautiful place? Why did you take away our water? We should have just all died there. It would have been better for us to die, and, they, and this flame spreads, and you know, we later see that there was this lady, Cora, that literally rebelled against him and put, pulled people together, and she got leprosy. So Moses went to the Lord, and I'm uh, Exodus 17 verse 4. So Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Their leader. Because they're not getting their way, because of self-preservation, because of selfishness, because of fear. They are ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, 
and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Good. What do we see there? Moses had the authority, but he had instruction from God on how and what to use the authority for. Exactly how to use it. Exactly what to do with it. So they're all happy. They go, they've got water, everything goes right. Moses is the hero again. They follow him and they go around the mountain probably for a year or something because once again they come to the place, same place, there's no water again. The second time, this is in Numbers 20. And uh, so we read in Numbers, verse 21 to 13. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived at the wilderness of Zin um, and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. buried. <clears throat> there was no water for the people to drink at this place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They blamed Moses and said, if, we, if only we had died in the Lord's presence for our, with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the, Lord pe- um, of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all the livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. I just want to stop there. Do you know how how much damage comes because of impatience? When the Lord is with you on a journey. And I'm going to say it right now, this is what happened to this church. The Lord is busy with the journey. Taking people from one place to another, not just in location, not just in, in, in character, in growth, in, in, in building something up. And then impatience comes. And rebellion comes. And murmuring comes. And everything falls apart. while the journey was always set out to go and reach the promised land. But every time the rebellion comes, every time the murmuring comes, every time those things come, they need to go back to point one again and start all over. Don't be impatient with the Lord. Don't be impatient with what He's busy doing. Don't jump when he says crawl. The Lord gave a specific instruction of the journey. But we jumped when we were supposed to first go ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, then full in. Church got hurt. So 
So Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell down face on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, You are Aaron. Ach, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. Same as last time. All right, exactly the same. This is very dangerous. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there. Not strike it like you did last time. Change of instruction. Speak to the rock and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. Okay, now you must remember that Moses wrote this, eh? (laughs) So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come. Everything still as he, as he was told. And then he got angry. He got impatient. That he was fed up with the people's murmuring. And, and then he said, You rebellious people, he shouted. Must we bring water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. Now, I think it was twice. It wasn't like, doof, doof. It was he struck it and then nothing happened. And then he struck it harder. And then the water came. But then... So the entire community and their livestock drank their full. They got what they wanted. They got the miracle. But on whose authority? The result was this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is so sad. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. The place was known as the waters of, the, of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. See, how many times does the Lord give us instruction and we follow his authority the first time? But when we come around a second time to the same problem or the same thing or the same illness or the same issue, we do not rely on the Lord. We rely on what we learned in the past. We rely on how it has worked before. You know, Jesus did crazy stuff when he healed people spat on their tongues, made mud and put it on their eyes. Why? Was there something special in the mud? Was there something special? I think there was something special in the obedience, in being under God's authority, doing exactly what God said, not making up his own mind, on how to do it and what to do and when to do it and who to do it to. Mm. 
I wrote you, it's only when we move on the instruction of God under His authority that we will see His kingdom come. What is kingdom? Kingdom is rulership. It literally means the rulership of God. If we want to see the kingdom come, if you want to see the kingdom come through your hands, come under His authority. Come under His rulership. We'll see just now that people make up their own minds. They get moved by their own emotions. How many times have we prayed for someone out of emotion? How many times have we prayed for someone out of desperation? How many times have we prayed for someone because it's just... We want to be the hero. That's not under the authority of God. Let's talk about Peter who walked on water. I love that one. So Jesus sends them out. There's a mighty storm. There's waves. Everyone's like, and there comes the ghost walking on the water. And when he comes closer, he says, oh, it looks like Jesus. And Peter shouts out, Lord, if that really is you, what does he say? I'm coming. No. He says, if that really is you, tell me to walk on the water and then I'll come. Give me the command. Give me the instruction to walk on water and then I'll come. Then Jesus says, come, yes, come. So Peter walks on water. Oh, just a bit like this. <laughs> Peter walks on water. But then he sees the waves. He gets distracted. And he sinks. And the Lord is with him and he pulls him up. And immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Not why did you doubt that you can walk on water? Not why did you doubt your faith? Why did you doubt me? Why did you lose the command from your heart? Why did you not believe that my authority is greater than the waves? think sometimes we have little faith because we don't move on the command of God like my wife and I I believe we got married because the Lord told us that we are one another's husband and wife yes we loved one another we were attracted very much to one another it was a great spark and all that stuff was there but we moved on the knowledge that God chose us for one another. So when the honeymoon was over, and there were times where it was tough, we went back to that one thing, the Lord said. And that settles it. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what comes, doesn't matter, the Lord said. And that settles it. 
How many times do we move out of sync with the Lord and have faith for something that He did not say? That's not faith. Good. I wrote here about Peter. When the waves get big on you, the authority of Christ should sustain, should sustain your faith. When the waves get big on you, the authority of Christ should sustain your faith. He, he still has authority over this. He said, I will walk on water. So no matter how big the wave is, I will walk on water. He said, you will be healed. If he said it. Then no matter what the symptoms are, you will be healed. He said your marriage will go through it. No matter what happens, no matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is. If he said it, that is the authority above all things. All spiritual things, all things we can see and all things we can't see. Everything has to bow before that word. Not my decision. His decision. He has authority. Let's look at Jesus uh, going to the twelve, sending the twelve out, Matthew 10. So Jesus called His twelve disciples together and gave them authority. Ne? They didn't decide for themselves, I've got authority. They didn't decide for themselves, I'm better than the demons and then the illness and the healing. They didn't see Jesus do it. And they say, because Jesus did it, then, then I can as well. Because Jesus is a man and I'm a man. Jesus gave them authority. He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. But with the authority, He gave them boundaries. We don't want to hear that. This was a curse word in this church. Not in this church, in like, in this culture. culture. Boundaries. <gasps> Just don't, moet my net nie inperk nie. All these boundaries he gave. He sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans. As you soon to gaan, nothing will happen. I'm giving you authority for a specific purpose, for a specific people, for a specific time, for a specific ministry trip. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. What did they receive? What are they supposed to give? Jesus. The kingdom. The rulership of God. The manifestation of the rulership. Spread the kingdom. But do it according to how I tell you. Listen to this 
very, very serious verse in Jude 1, verse 6 to 11. This is what happens when people move outside of their authority. Okay, this is Jude, this is New Testament. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. So they went rogue, thinking that they were better or had more authority or could do things that God did not assign to them. All right? Now, people might argue, yeah, but those were the angels, but we are God's children. He says, I remind you. Why would he remind us of what happened to the angels if he's not speaking to us? Ne? Can we settle that? The angels who did not stand within the limits of authority, God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by the fire and serve as a warning to the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for, the follow, um, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. I do not believe this is specifically relating to, to ministry. I believe this is relating to specific to living under the authority of God. But it's the same principle that counts. The people who dream up, uh, who claim authority through their dreams are, are, are those who say that I do not need to listen to anybody. And so later we'll see in Corinthians and all that, I don't have it here, but you'll read it, how Paul is very serious about obeying authorities. Why? Because that authority is given by God. So if you don't obey this, you're not obeying God. Do we realize that? Do we realize that when we boast about not paying our parking tickets or when we boast about speeding or when we boast about we are actually saying I'm rebelling against God and I like it. See, to live under any authority. Last night I had to give one of my kids a hiding for being disobedient. And she really, really, she's like, the other two will sort of take it, but this one, like, it, it really hits her hard. But because I understand this, I could sit down with her and I explain to her, the reason I'm giving you a hiding is not because you were naughty. 
I'm giving you a hiding so that you can learn to obey authority. Because if you don't learn to obey our authority, you will not obey the Lord's authority. And she got it. But this morning at breakfast, he said, my yen boat was pink. (laughs) (laughs) I give my children hidings because the word says, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's right. That's right. If you want your children to be free in the world, if you want your children to enjoy what the Lord has given them and not be, at, in a worst case scenario, end up in prison, give them boundaries in home. Anyways, it's a good place to practice authority. But what he does say here, He talks about the spiritual realm. He says, not even Michael, who is an archangel, rebuked Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you, making God the authority to rebuke, God the authority to judge, God the authority to put the enemy, to put healing, to put sickness, to put sin, all those things, God puts it in its place. We do not What posture do we have when we walk in authority in ministry or in our life? What posture do we have? Do we walk around? Let's say I, I pray for healing. Let's say I pray for, a, a, I, I try to, to address someone that's demon possessed. Do I go with the attitude, I'm your boss, I'm above you? No. I go with the attitude, the boss sent me. And he's your boss as well. So you must listen. I come in the name of the boss. I come in the name of Jesus. I come in his stead. I don't decide what to do and he backs me. I don't decide what to do and he comes then to help me out. So many times we've prayed, Lord, we've decided to do this. Please help us. We're going in this direction. Would you please bless us? We're doing this. We're buying this house. Please bless it, Lord. Did he give you the authority to do that? Because if he did not, you're moving in the flesh. Making your own decisions, being your own boss. I know people don't want to hear that they're not their own boss. But we are not. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. You do not belong to yourself. The place where you can belong to yourself is in the realm of of Satan. 
But you know what? You can't because then you belong to Him. And that only leads to death. He'll give you, he'll give you the false perception that you belong to yourself. He'll give you the false perception that you can change who you are and you can change whatever. You, you can follow whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. But the word is very clear that then you belong to your children of Satan. We are all under authority. <laughs> you're either under authority of God or you're under authority of the darkness. There is no in between. There is no man. Even those who say, I do not believe in God and I do not believe in Satan, do not believe in hell, I do not believe. That's their deception. That's their perception of they, they deceived. They do belong. They belong to Satan. He's got them in his grip. They are enslaved, like in Egypt. And they need a savior to come and take them out through the Red Sea baptism into the promised land. Going through the desert where they learn character. Last night after the hiding, I made a phrase up for my children, which I will repeat every time I give them a hiding. The pain goes away, but character grows. Die bouts nie meer pink nie, maar hoopelik het al karakter bykie gegroei. I said, next time will you remember to be obedient? Yes. So we'll see. <laughs> Jesus himself was under authority. When he walked on earth, listen to this, John 5, uh, 16 to 30. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules, but Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. So what is He doing? He is there in Father's stead. He's there working as a Father does. He's the Lord's hands and feet on earth. Ne? He came, God with us, God manifest, came, and whatever God is doing, whatever God's will is, whatever God's heart is, whatever God desires, Jesus did. Because He submitted Himself to the Lord. Philippians 2. Though he was God, he did not cling to his godliness. He did not grasp his equality with God, but he humbled himself. He gave himself in obedience to God, submission, even to death on the cross. And therefore God elevated him above all things. So he says, my father is always working in some eyes. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, therefore making himself equal with God. Hmm. The closer we walk, in authority, in his authority, the, 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 the more that becomes natural to us, the more freedom we receive to 
walk in him. This is a hond met a leash. Lillian's got this beautiful picture about our dog, which she saw the other night. The dog was sleeping on my lap, and then she saw this picture about submission. And as long as the dog is submitted to me, if I and the dog build such a relationship that at my click of the fingers or a whistle, whatever, the dog comes back to me, or I say no, he immediately stops, or I say go and he goes, or I say whatever. If that is our relationship and I trust that and he trusts me to give him the right commands, then I can go wherever I want with the dog without a leash because I know that when he goes and he eats those toys, I say, come here, and he comes back. He'll leave the toys and he'll come back. It's the same with us in the authority of the Lord. That's why we need to grow in the authority. We need to hear his voice. But even Jesus, I mean, there was no one closer ever that walked this earth to the Father. They they are one. But even he says this, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. So even when you have all the freedom in the world, you can never take one step and make your own choice about how you do things or what you do. This hectic. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son... So he trusts in the love of the Father. And because I trust in the love of the Father, I know that the Father will... I mean, this is a no-brainer. If I trust in the love of God, if I trust that God knows every second planned out for my life, God knows every ministry opportunity, He knows where I will flow in the anointing, He knows where things will happen, He knows what He has set out for me and planned out for me. Why would I not... Put him before me and say, you walk and I'll walk in your steps. Why would I not put him there and say, you tell me what to do? Can you please go sort that out quickly? The father loves me. Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing. In fact, the Father will show Him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will surely be astonished. But just as a Father gives life to those He raised from the dead, so the Son gives life to everyone He wants. One Corinthians fifteen twenty seven twenty eight says. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under His authority. Of course, when it says all things under His authority, that does not include God Himself, who gave Christ His authority. Then, when all things are under His authority, the Son will put Himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave His Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Now, this is so important. So this is Jesus, but this is also us. 
if I operate under the direct authority of God, so if God told me to tell you, then in that moment and in that obedience, I have authority over you. Because it's God's authority, not my authority. What's that case where they tried to, to remove this demon from the person and the demon laughed at them and said, who are you? We know Jesus, we know Paul, but who are you? What happened? They tried to do it in their own authority. Who are you? Even when they said, in the name of Jesus, their posture was, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to trample you under my feet. He laughed at them. But if their heart's posture was, first, Lord, what do you want me to do with this man, with the demon? God says, cast him out. Now I have that faith of his word in my heart, like Peter walking on the water. With that word, with that authority, I come and I speak to that thing. Then God has the authority over him. That thing does not bow to me, it bows to the word of God. I am just the mouthpiece of it. So we must just get this right. Just our heart's posture. All right, yeah, the point is that the authority of God that gives life will flow when you represent God, when you come in His name or when you come in His stead, and not when you represent yourself or your own power or your own. If, if Jesus says, who is the manifest Son of God, I only do what I see the Father do. Who are we to think that we can go around commanding angels and demons and illnesses and all those kind of things on our own accord, on our own emotions, on our own whim, on our own desires? My baby was ill once wasn't nice like course and the whole works. And I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. So I went to the Lord and said, Lord, why is nothing happening? You said we'll lie, lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Why isn't this happening? And the Lord showed me this. He said, you are praying for your child out of your own emotions. You're not praying in authority. You're not praying because I told you to pray. You decided that you want to heal this child. There's a difference. Even if it just makes a difference to your faith, there's a difference. But at the end of the day, it's about God's glory, like He said to Moses. The reason He's telling you, the reason. Yes, things happen. Yes, miracles happen apart from the authority of God, like the water did come out of the stone. 
But who got glory? Moses got glory when he did his thing. The Lord's holiness wasn't proclaimed because you didn't proclaim my holiness. So the gifting might be there. But if there's no authority, there's no life. If it's not from God, it's just a miracle. And not all miracles are from God. Because in Egypt, they did all the same things. The authority is from God and out of God will come life. I want to just read this. So later Jesus sent out again. First he sent out the 12 and later he sent 70 or 72. That depends on which translation you read. doesn't really matter. Um, then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message also accepts me. And anyone who rejects your message rejects me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Do you see the whole representation thing? If I come to you in the name of the Lord and you reject me, then you reject God. But if I come to you on my own accord, you reject me, then God's got nothing to do with it. In the same way, if I go and I speak to a demon in the name of the Lord by his authority, the demon has to bow because he is under God's authority. If I go and I speak to him in my authority, even if I say in the name of Jesus, but he didn't send me, what does in the name of Jesus mean? In the name of Jesus is not an incantation. It's not a magic wand that has to have everything done. Because then I would have had a lot of stuff. That's using the Lord's vein in name. That's blasphemy. I can only say in the name of Jesus when the Lord sends me with that command. The king can't, like, ons, ons krij dit man, hieso, hoe, hoe gereeld krij ons as waarskewings, nee, we get, that people come uh, posing as the NBC to come and do a survey and then they just want your information or something like that. Please don't listen to them or the banks or whatever. I'm calling you from FNB, so I'm coming to you in the name of FNB. Please give me your PIN number so I can check if this is really your account. <laughs> oh, yeah, he said in the name of FNB, so I'm giving it. <laughs> yeah, but how many Christians fall into the trap of saying, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus, but he never sent you. How do you know? My sheep know my voice. I live closely to him. I have the posture of, of, of submission. Because if I have the posture of submission, I'll always be listening, I'll always be watching, I'll always be seeing what do you want to do. I come closer to him so that his heart becomes my heart. And still then, so when I get stirred or moved by something, somebody that's hurt or something that's wrong, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
tell me to walk on the water and I'll walk. If he says nothing, do nothing. I want to descend with just a few scriptures about authority. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. I'm just going to read the scriptures. God has put all things, all things, all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Under who? Under Christ. Who is head over all things? Christ is head over all things. For the benefit of the church. Yo. No church will benefit if Christ is not its head. No church will move in the power of God if Christ is not its head. And once again, there might be signs and wonders and all those kind of things. But if Christ is not the authority, there will be no life. Jesus himself said it. You drove our demons, you healed the sick, you did all those things, but I didn't know you. And the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by Christ. Without Christ, it's dead, who fills all things everywhere with himself. 1 Peter 3.22 says, Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Whose authority do they accept? Christ's authority. Mine, not so much. Two Corinthians three, uh, um, two nine to eleven. So I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions, to see if you can be under authority. <laughs> when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. He might scheme you to think that you are powerful in your own right, in your own way. And you'll see those people, it's all about them. Power corrupts. That's not a verse. It's a quote that I thought of when I heard this. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Ne? 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17 say, You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for, profit, um, for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority. Knowing that God is watching us. So this means that there were people in those times not preaching with Christ's authority. 2 Corinthians 10, 13 uh, to 14 says, We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which include our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you um, as if we had never visited you. We uh, were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Jesus Christ. So even in this, we see that in areas, one believer or one 
church leader or whatever does not have authority over another church leader's people. And that's why it's so important to belong and give yourself. Because how would the church leader know who is submitting under him and into whose lives he can speak if they are not submitted to him? Then I want to just give you some quotes that I found. I'm almost done. Uh, prayer is the risen Jesus coming in with His resurrection power, given free reign in our lives, and then using His authority to enter any situation and change things. That's Olay Hallisby. Then Elizabeth Elliot says, Until the will and the affections are brought under the authority of Christ, we have not begun to understand, let alone accept His Lordship. Ne? The will and affections are brought under authority. His Lordship is His kingdom. We cannot understand, let alone manifest, let alone bring forth anything about Him if we are not under His Lordship. R.C. Sproul says, the very word authority has within it the word author. An author is someone who creates and possesses a, particularly work, a particular work. Insofar as God is the foundation of all authority, He exercises that foundation because He is the author and the owner of His creation. He is the foundation upon which all other authority stands or falls. And then I'll end again with this verse that I read in the beginning. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. So I ask again, do you want to be used of God? If you want to be used of God, go out with this posture. Go out with this in your mind. That you are going not on your own account. You are going not on your own rule. But you are going in His stead. So we go in His command. He gave the church this command. Go and make disciples and teach them. I believe that is an everlasting authority, an everlasting command. But in doing that, 
our posture is that we do it under submission of the one who has called us. We cannot just go wherever we want and decide to do whatever we want. We need his rule to see his kingdom come because it's his kingdom come. His rulership. Nee, dit is, dit is, dit is 1 plus 1 is 2. Dit Yes. Can I say? Yeah. Um, I just realized that the picture of Christ is the head, we are the body. I mean, this little finger cannot do this if my brain doesn't mm. send a message to do that. Nothing of my body is supposed to do things of its own accord. If we are connected to the head, we cannot do our own thing. It's impossible. And that is how everything functions as it should and how we can be effective in the natural. And it's the same as his body. We, we must literally be his hands and his feet. We, we use that phrase very easily, but mm. that is literally what we need to do. We need to be his body in this earth. Very that is, literally. That is how his rule is established. That is how his kingdom comes, mm. is if we are his hands and his feet and mm. we obey every impulse. We need to be so connected to him um, because if there's a a severing in the connection when, when there's dysfunction. Hmm. Yeah. So Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, obey my commands. Easy as that. Oh, yeah. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that, but as difficult as that. Obey my command and you will be my disciple. Do your own thing. You're not. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are our authority. I thank you that Christ is our head. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that there is nothing in you that is spiteful toward us that would want us to move in any way or do anything that will lead to killing, stealing and destroying, that will lead to destruction. And therefore we can trust you, Lord. We can trust you to walk on water. We can trust you to go into battle. We can trust you to do whatever you send us to do, because wherever you send us, whatever you speak, whatever command you give will always lead to life. And therefore, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. And we ask, Lord, that you give us the grace to be close to your ear, to, be, to have our ears close to your mouth. That we ask you for the grace to know your voice. We ask you for the quieting and the silencing of all other voices and of the flesh and of our faculties, Lord, that wants to drive us in other directions. We want to submit ourselves to you, Lord. Please, be our Lord as we are your subjects. In such a close relationship, that we say, be our Father, and we your children, who are obedient to your every desire. Because, as Jesus said, we can do nothing, and we choose to do nothing, that we do not see you do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.